Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. This theme, I'm passionate about it. And I promise you this morning that if you take to heart what I'm going to share with you, your life will never be the same. Because this is one of the foundations to be able to move forward in what God has. If you've been with us for several years, I've seen a lot of you have been here for several years. Others, you guys don't have that long. But you have heard one of the, the hearts of this church is to teach Christians who they are in Christ, what they have, who they are, what belongs to them, the authority of the believer. Thank you. And we know that, right? We know it so much that sometimes when pastor says, let's open Mark eleven twenty three, 23, we say, oh, man, again. I know it. So you know who you are in Christ now, right? But who is Christ in you? Who is Christ for you? And it, it saddens my heart to see the body of Christ. And I'm talking about globally, living for themselves. I love that we get the revelation of the word of faith. That's where we came from. That is amazing word. Has has helped us to kind of like change the way we think. We're not the low scum of the world, little worms and nuts and, you know, nothing. No, we have a place in him. And it's beautiful to know that. But I think with the word of faith, and I'm saying it with trembling in my heart, but I said to the Lord, I'm going to say what you tell me to say. But I think we have fallen into one side of the ditch, not knowing who we are, to take in too much, kind of like putting ourselves first all the time. My need, my desire, me, me, me. And the world is out there living with that mentality. But the devil has been so... I don't even know if that's a word, um, so fine in the way that he works, that he has leaked inside the church. And now the church is thinking the same way, me, me, me. As I'm talking right now, I have a couple of friends. They called us last night. And they said, I cannot say their names and I cannot say their country they're going because we're alive. But they said, they said, please cover us in prayer. They have six children. Some are adopted, some are biological. Biological, yeah. Um, 
And the Lord started calling them last year to go into missions. And they said, God, where do you want us to go? And the Lord is calling them to go to a closed country. What does that mean? It's in the window 1040. Do you know what the, the window 1040 is? It's the part of the world that has not been reached by the word of God. It's the part of the world, um, some part of Europe, Asia, and Africa, where people still live with the tribe mentality. They're Buddhists, they're Muslims, and they are um, the Hindu one. What is that? Um, yeah, Hinduism. Yeah. So that is the window 1040. And so one of these countries is right there, and they're Muslims, and they can say where they're going. They were leaders in their church. The church had to take the, their names, erase every trace from the webpage that they were ever linked with them because this country will screen everyone that gets into their doors. And if they're found that they're going with a mission, God's mission, they can be put in jail, they can be killed. They're not playing. So our friends called us a couple of weeks, we got in contact with them. And they said that, I just told Rick, I said, baby, let's call them. I don't know, just call them right now. And so Rick called him and he said, oh my gosh, you don't know what your call means to us. He said, we have shared with so many people what God is calling us to do. And he said, no one, no one has said, you're blessed to go. Everyone said, you're crazy, and I'm not even going to pray for you. Well, not everyone, but one person said, I'm not even going to pray for you. Because they're designed to lay their lives down and offer it as a sacrifice for the cause of the kingdom of God. And so as I'm talking right now, they're on their way to this country. They're going to be there for 15 days. They're going to spy the land. And I did, not, I did not know this. I thought they were going with a ministry and work for a ministry. And last night I found out they're going to pioneer. And they have to find a school, a home. They have to find a place to be able to bring all the kids. My friend, the wife was, you know, as mom, devastated. She's leaving all the kids, scared, you know, all normal feelings. But God is calling. There's no comfortable, it's not a place, a first world place where they're going to go and have all the comfortable things that we have in the States. They literally, they could be putting their lives down. And here we have a church in America that we're so comfortable in our seats, being consumers only. That when your pastor or when someone asks you one day, it's too much for you. And believe me, I'm saying this with respect. I'm not saying it directly or saying it because of this person or that person. Hear my heart, please. It's not about that. And if you're not the only church that is doing that, it's the body of Christ that has fallen into that. And what is passion? I look in the dictionary. 
and it says that passion is a strong feeling or emotion. It's great affection. It's love. It's a strong liking. It's an object of desire or deep interest. You put everything into it. You know, when, when, when a boy finds a girl or a girl finds a boy, you know, the passion comes into place. And you think about that all the time. And the boy pursues and, or, or the girl pursues the, the man or the man, the woman, and they do everything that they can. Why? Because they're passionate about that. Right? So let's go to Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. But passion has some synonyms. Is that how you say it? Okay, so it's fervor. Sorry, I was laughing when I saw these words because I'm like, oh boy. Ardor, A-R-D-O-R. Enthusiasm. Woo! Seal. Passion says that implies to an emotion that is deeply stirring or ungovernable. There's no rule for it. You will go and do it and go with everything, right? With fervor implies a warm and steady emotion. With ardor, it says that suggests a warm and exciting feeling likely to be fitful or short-lived. And that word, help me, that word, applies to lively or eager interest or in or admiration for a proposal, a cause, or an activity. And a seal implies that it's energetic and unflagging, it's an unflagging pursuit of an aim or devotion to a cause. That is passion. Yeah. So now you are in Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I'm reading out of the Amplified. The only Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind and heart and with your entire being and with all your might. I'm going to leave it out of, I mean, read it out of the message. And it says, attention Israel, God, our God, God the one and only. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that is in you. Love him with all that you got. Do you think that God is asking us to love him with passion? Right? No halfway. No when it's easy. When it's convenient. No. Passion me with everything you got. That is what, you know, it was kind of funny because when I um, was reading the description, the definition of passion, there was a little note and it says, actually the first one that came, it says, they are the sufferings of Jesus between the night of the Last Supper and his death. And that's the secular dictionary. So, Jesus loved us and loves us with that passion. 
So he's not asking something that he hasn't given first. So you might say, well, Gideon, that was in the Old Testament, right? A lot of people say, well, that's in the Old Testament. We can get away with some stuff now because we're in the new, new covenant, new things. But Matthew, let's go to Matthew 22, 34 to 40. And I'm, I, I really like the Passion Translation. And if you're here for the first time and, and maybe you, you, you haven't heard me say this, um, I like to use different um, versions of the Bible because my reading comprehension is not as high. So New King James, King James really messed me up because I cannot get it clearly. So I like, you know, I make sure that what all of these authors say, it's in the New King James or King James, 1960, some people say. And um, why is that? 18, right? No, 19. Okay. But um, so I, I, I like to do it as easy because it's easy to understand. So that's why I'm using some versions that is not that one only. So the, the Passion says, uh, verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they called a meeting to discuss how to trap Jesus. Then one of them, a religious scholar, posed this question to test him. He said, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answered him, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. And with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you, this is the great and supreme commandment. You know, with everything inside of us. It's like that fire. You know, I have heard some, some you know, the kids, it's like hot, like heat inside of me, they say, you know, when they're passionate about something. That is the attitude that we need to have with God. But sadly, how I said, and it breaks my heart because the church is passionate about themselves nowadays. We have us at the front because if I'm not happy, how can I love others? There's some truth to that. But if you don't love on God, then God is not loving you we cannot love each other, ourselves just by that. Because God is the source of everything. So when we love God first, we'll be able to love ourselves enough to lay down our lives to love others. And that's what the world don't understand. We don't make sense. We don't make sense. Oh, I don't understand that. I don't agree with that. You know what? I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense. You're right. But God's ways are so good that go beyond our comprehension, that blows our minds when we allow the, the lordship of Christ to come in our lives. We're able to do, we're able to say, we're able to move things that we will never expect we will do in our own strength. But everything comes from him. You know, um, 
when I came to the States, I had to repent. Because when I came to the States, you know, we've been full-time missionaries with Rick for several years. And, you know, one of the things, we, we went through a lot of stuff in that ministry, but there is one thing that I, I learned from that ministry. It's Colossians 3.23. It says that everything you do, in deed or in action, you do it unto the Lord, known to men. And to focus in him. Focus on him. And so when I come, I'm not kidding, you can ask Rick. When I came, we will go at the mall. I see a sick person. And I'll go and I'll say, how can I pray for you? Because I had that in me. So as that person, I didn't care. And I'll go. What are you feeling that way? And start giving them a word of hope. I will carry little tracks in my bag all the time. But guess what? My heart drew and fell into the same mentality that many of us are living with me. I don't want to bother anyone. I don't want to offend anyone. And I had to repent. So what does God want wants from us? He wants our love. He wants our passion. He wants to be the first in our lives. He wants, he wants everything from us. What did he tell the people of Israel? What did Jesus say? Love your God with everything you got. So it requires all of our hearts, our soul, and mind. In other words, our entire being. But nowadays, a lot of us are living with a kind of half love for God. But we want everything from God. All his blessings, right? All that promise that is in this word, we want it, we claim it, we proclaim it. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's all we're all about, it's just that. Where is our passion for him? So, I'm going to put it in simply words, okay? Love God is simply this, with all your passion, it's simply this. You love what he loves, and you hate what he hates. Simply. No complicated at all. God says that is sin, you say it as a sin. And um, I have sin. We're not perfect, right? But guess what is the difference? You recognize your sin when you fell. You said, Father, I'm sorry. And you repent. And you turn around, give your back to the sin, and keep going and moving forward. So he knows that we're human beings. I have mistakes. But it's important that we examine our hearts and that we check our lives and see what our heart is. We, we know where we are. 
We know. So I have a couple of, of points, if we can say, how do we know that we love God with all our passion? The first one is we obey him. We obey him, no matter the cost. See, and, and, and this is the thing that, that, that I see, that we don't preach about paying the price, dying to ourselves anymore. Well, we have, sometimes we have a price to pay. Many times we have to die to ourselves. When I was young, and many of you, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it again, because I cannot talk about somebody else, because the person I know the best is myself, right? So when I was young, and I received the Lord at 17 years old, I gave my life with all my heart to him. I went to my friends that were not Christians, that we will go partying, that, you know, we will go drinking, we will go, some of them, um, one person taught me how to smoke, we will hang out, you know, to be with each other. And after I received the Lord, I went with every one of my friends and told them, I'm sorry, I cannot hang out with you anymore because I'm a, a newborn person in Christ. So I love you. If you want to hang out with me, it has to be different from now on. Some laugh at me, some cuss at me, some didn't talk to me, call me names, hallelujah girl, you know. We, um, I, I went to a girls um, school, so you know, all girls and stuff, and so girls, teenagers, we're kind of something else, right? <laughs> so we had a uniform we had to use to wear, to go to school. So the rule in the book was a couple of inches above your knee, something like that, right? Guess what? We will roll that thing up, you know, and make it very short. But when I received the Lord, even those little details changed in me that I was wearing my skirt all the way down to my knee. Because when I received him, I, I did it with everything. And I was telling the Lord a couple of days ago, saying, God, I want that heart back. But I said, this will be my prayer, God. I want your heart. I want you. I don't want just myself, my desires, my motives. I want you. And I started hanging out with people that had the same passion. And we started preaching in the buses. We actually went from my town eight hours away in a bus. We call it the chicken bus. <laughs> because, you know, the chickens inside and it's stinky and stuff. And we were so happy preaching the gospel. There was no way they could stop us. But life came, I became a mom, I got a business, I'm here at the church. Listen, working for God is not the same as being passionate about him. You can be working so much for him, but your heart cannot be in the deal. 
it's more than that. And I said, God, I'm sorry I want my heart back. I just want to do what you call me to do no matter the cost. I don't have riches. But guess what? I'm where God wants me to be. So we obey him, right? Deuteronomy 6, 1. Now this is the command, the statutes and the judgments, precepts, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. This is Moses telling the people. So that you might do, follow and obey them in the land which you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. So that you and your son and your grandson may fear and worship the Lord your God with all feel reverence and profound respect to keep and actively do all his statutes and his commandments which I, commend, which I am commanding you all the days of your life so that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, listen, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it might go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in numbers as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So God gave the promise, right? There's a blessing, a, a, a promise of a blessing in there, but there was something they had to do. What was that? Huh? Follow his statutes. And be careful to do them. So John 14:15, I love this version. Um, the passion says, "Loving me empowers you to obey my command, my commandments. Loving me empowers you to obey my commandments. So no matter what he asks us to do. He will empower us. And that's grace right there. Grace is not, I can, I, I've been forgiven and I can do and sin and do whatever I want to do because God has already forgiven me. Grace gives you the power to honor God obeying his commandments. It empowers you. In the Amplify it says, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments if you really love me. And this is Jesus talking. It's in the red words. That's why my Noah said he wanted a Bible with red letters because he wanted to know that Jesus told him to do that. So... First John 5... Three and four in the Amplified. For the true love of God is this, that we habitually, is that how you say it? Habitually? Keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. And his commandments and precepts are not difficult to obey. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. 
And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So we have a, a part to play. In the message says, every person who believes that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, is God born. If we love the one who conceives the child, we'll surely love the child who was conceived. The reality test of whether or not we love God's children is this. Do we love God? Do we keep his commandments? The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commandments and they are not troublesome. 1 John 2, 1-29. See, I'm not saying Gije is not making this up. It's right here, right? So it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you might not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. So I don't want you to feel guilty if you've been doing something that is not according to God's will. I just want you to see it. And I'm giving you the opportunity to repent, turn away from that, and start honoring God with your heart. It's easy as that. Denise told me the other day, she, I'm, I'm going to call your name, Denny, but um, she called me the other day, sh she's reading this book, and she said, what did you say sin was? Yeah, it's just a mistake to be corrected. Easy as that. You're doing something wrong? Just fix it. Easy. The Bible says there is no condemnation to us that we have been born again in Christ. But it doesn't say we need to keep being in the sin. Every time Jesus will go and perform a healing and everything, let's say the woman with the, with the, 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 the adulterous woman, right? Jesus said, I don't accuse you. Go and sing no more. So we, the church, has been preaching, I don't condemn you, right? But that's the only part. We keep it there, and we forget the next part. Go and sin no more. That's what keeps the door shut. Number two. We will die to ourselves, our own desires, to honor God and please God. We will die to ourselves. 
John 12, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. God is going to require things from us. And he's not talking about go get a knife and, right? It's not that death. It's more painful. Because with this one, you're gone, right? Ants. But when you die to yourself and your own desires, it's painful. When God asks you to forgive that person who wronged you, and you know you have all the right to feel what you feel, but God doesn't say, it's okay, baby, keep it. Keep the feeling in there. He says, forgive Galatians 4.24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. I love this one right here. If you say, man, Gija, but I'm human. Right? Because we can excuse everything. We're good to find excuses. I love how, how Denise says sometimes, sorry, but I hang out with her a lot. So she said, um, that's the, the other person I know a lot. Um, she says, they find to every solution they have a problem. Right? That's humans. Sometimes that's the way we walk. So, this, this scripture we're going to read right now is going to show us that we don't have that excuse. Romans 6, 1 to 3 in the Amplify says, it has a title and says, Believers are dead to sin and alive to God. What shall we say to all of this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? Certainly not. How can we, the very ones who died to sin, continue to live in it any longer? Or are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death, so that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and the power of the Father. We too might walk habitually in newness of life, abandoning our old ways. For if we have become one in him, permanently united in the likeness of his death, we will also certainly be one with him and share fully in his human nature, with, wait, in his likeness, in his resurrection. Six, we know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we could no longer be slaves to sin, but the person who has died with Christ has been free from the power of sin. Yes, we're going to fail, because we're humans. You're right in that. But we're not to stay there. We have the way out right there. Luke 9, 23, 24 says, And he said to all, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Can you play that video for me, the, the one with one minute? I'll give you guys a little break. And then all of a sudden he starts using Lisa as an example. He says, son, you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Lisa says, hey, babe, babe, I need your help. I'm late getting the kids ready. Can you help me get the kids ready? Oh, honey, I'm, I'm really busy. I got some stuff to do. No, no, I really can't help you. Then 9 o'clock she says, can you do this for me, John? I really need you to go get me a Starbucks coffee. I really need to wake up this morning. Can you go do this? No, babe, I'm really busy. I'm sorry, I can't do that. 12 o'clock, she says, honey, can you have lunch with me? I really want to spend some time with you. Oh, babe, I'm sorry. 3.30, honey, can you go pick up the kids from school? I really, I got so much going on. Oh, babe, I'm sorry. I really got something else I want to do. 5 o'clock, can you help me get dinner ready? You know what? I, I, I really, really, uh, really can't do it. 6, after dinner, can you help me clean up the kitchen? Well, you know, babe, I just can't. <laughs> then 9 o'clock at night comes, right? And you want something out of it. <laughs> and you approach her and you go, Oh, honey, I love you so much. <laughs> he said, what will she say to you? I said, she will say, hit the road, Jack. <laughs> he said, that's right. He said, son, I have these children that all week long I'm trying to get their attention. Hey, I, I, your neighbor needs help right now. You need to go over. And they, they ignore me. Uh, I'm busy. I'm busy. And they suppress me. He said, I, I, I'll put in their hearts to, to, to witness to the person working, working next to him at this perfect time. And they'll go, uh, 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 no, uh, and they ignore me. He said, or I'll tell them to give so much in an offering. And they'll go, uh, 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 well. He says, and then they do this all week. And then they come into a service. And they want something out of me. Namely, blessing. And they start singing, I love you, Lord. And they call it worship. Yep. Isn't that right? Number three. Can you guys give me a little bit more of your time today? Just a little bit. We will put God as a priority in our lives. When you follow me, Jesus says in Luke 14, 26, in the passion. When you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. It will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered my follower. When the Lord called me to go into ministry, I've been 19, of my, uh, 19 years of my life with my mom as an only child. You have heard this story before. Mom will serve me on the couch, and mom will wash all my clothes. I never wash one single piece of clothes in my house. Mom cooks for me. Mom does everything for me. I'm just there, sitting down. <laughs> and I slept with my mom. Because my dad was always kind of far away or something. So we share bed with my mom, 19 years old. I was mama's baby. And the Lord said to me, I want you to go to work for me full time. And I said, God, how can I leave my mom? And the Lord showed me this scripture. 
Matthew 10, 37 to 39 says, Whoever loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is no fit to be my disciple. And whoever comes to me must follow in my steps and be willing to share my cross and experience, experience it at his own, or he is not worthy of me. Those who cling to their lives will give it up, will give up true life. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. Four, our words must match our actions. You say love God. What do you do when he requires something from you? You say you love God. Do you fear him? You say you love God. Do you follow his words and his statutes? You say you love God. Do you submit to his leadership? You say you love God. Do you honor the pastoral position that he has established in our leaders? There is a big example in the Bible of somebody that talked the talk. And it's Mr. Saul. King Saul. I'm sorry. King Saul. His story, I'm going to tell you where he's at. I'm not going to go there. But it's in Psalms 13. I mean, First King. First Saul. I'm like so messed up with my notes. First Samuel 13. You find the story in there. And you know, the background is that the people of Israel, they want a king. They don't want God anymore because everybody around them have a king. So they want a real person. They just don't want to be guided by God. So God tells Samuel, the prophet, okay, there is a guy that looks good, looks presentable to be a king. And the Bible says that Saul was very tall, very handsome, very likable. So he gets anointed. But what it amazed me when I was reading it again, it never said that he had a heart for God. Because he didn't. Yeah. It said, there is a point where it says that God changed his heart. Prepare his heart to do his work. Because he didn't have a heart for God. So what did he do? He thought he knew best. God's ways. Oh, man. The prophet told him and said, wait for me until I come, and we're going to offer sacrifice. The man of God told him, wait for me. And it says that several days had passed, and he got impatient, and he said, he's, he's not coming. I have heard us. So I have fallen to this. I repented too. And the Lord dealt with me not too long about this attitude. And he said, we hear and we say, but he's just a man. And God speaks to me too. I told you I was sorry, right, for that attitude. Yeah. And Saul had the same attitude. 
He said, he's just a man. I can do this sacrifice. I don't need him. And he offered a sacrifice that God had commandment that in that time, only the priests could offer those sacrifices. And he said, I can do it. I'm the king. And the Bible says that when Samuel came, he said, what have you done? Then, something else happens. God uses the man of God and tells him, the Lord says, you're going to go and conquer. This is the story it's in 1 Samuel 15. And the Lord tells him and says, you're going to go. Um, you're going to conquer this nation, but you have to destroy everything. Everything. And let's go there with me. That's in, I promise I'm very close, but I don't want to, I don't want to keep this. I need to say it. Is that okay with you guys? You're putting God first right now, as a priority right now. Okay. So when the king comes, 15, we're going to start in, let me see. Eight. Fifteen eight. First Samuel fifteen eight. He captured King Agag of Amalek alive, but he completely destroyed all the rest of the people with the sword. Saul and the troops spare Agag and the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, and choice animals, as well as the young rams and the best of everything else. They were not willing to destroy them, but they did destroy all the worthless and unwanted things. What did God tell them to do through the men of God? Destroy everything. But see, this is the attitude that we as Christians have been having in this time a day. We choose what's good to us, but what is not appealing to us, let's destroy that. Let's keep the good stuff. Then on verse 13, well, after that, the Lord tells him and says, you know what? I'm, I regret that. I, let's go to 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I may so king, for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. So, in 13. So now Samuel knows, right? When Samuel came to him, Samuel, um, Saul said, May the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instruction. Huh? Oh, pastor, I'm so blessed. God bless you, pastor. Sister, God bless you. And we want to give the impression that we're obeying God. 15, so answer. Oh, 14, Samuel replied, Then what is this sound of sheep and goats and cattle that I hear? Samuel so answer, The troops brought them from um, the Amalekites and spared the best sheep, goats, and cattle in order to offer a sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we destroyed. 
Many times we want to worship God with our own idea of how God wants us to worship him. When he had already established, what did the word say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with everything that you got, right? In 20, this is all. But I did obey the Lord's soul answer. I went on the mission the Lord gave me. I brought back King Agag of Amalek, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. The troops took sheep, goat, and cattle from the plunder. The best of what, um, what was set apart for destruction to sacrifice to your God. And see, every time is your God. Twenty-two, Samuel says, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying him? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Rams, for rebellion is like sin of divination. And defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. You may say, yes, Gide, I agree with you in everything that word says. But that's in the Old Testament. <laughs> right? We live in grace. Go to me to Revelations 2. And I'm going to be closing. To the letter of Ephesus, I mean, to the church of Ephesus. This is not to the world. This is not to the heathen. It's not to the worldly people. This is to the church, to one of the churches. Verse 2. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far have you fallen. Repent. And do the works you did at first. Let's not keep wasting time, guys. Let's be all sold out for him. Because you know one, the reality is that when we are not fully submitted to him, we cannot even enjoy the world fully. Because you feel guilty now. So let's just be all in with him. And I want to close with this video, okay? May the Lord bless you guys. And just, if you take this to heart, I promise you're going to find your purpose. And he's going to prepare you where he wants you to be. But we cannot be halfway. Okay? So. 
you've set up home, which is the exact thing that God tells us not to do, is to not make this earth our home. Everyone is living life like tomorrow is going to be here, next year will be here. They're living for this short time on earth, which I think is insane. And we somehow can block out those moments of prompting and conviction, and we end up justifying the things we want to do. You look at what you say you believe in eternity, and then you look at how you live your daily life, and you're going, it doesn't match up. These are the words of Christ. He says, if anyone tries to save his life here on earth, he goes, I promise you, you will lose your life. And he goes, and I promise you, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. This is the safety in the Christian life that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Everything is fine in the end. And the battle now is trying not to save my life. Same uh, idea, Luke 9, verse 57 he says this, Jesus is, is talking, he goes, and as they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, someone says to Jesus, I'll follow you, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere, nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What does every counselor tell you to do? Look back. Let's go back to your past. What happened a few years ago? Oh yeah? Well then what happened when you were an adolescent? Hmm. Let's talk about your early childhood. What, what happened there? Hmm. Maybe some things in the womb. <laughs> what happens? Was there distress? Did your mom have any? We're always going back, looking back, and Paul says, one thing I do, I forget what's back there. And I look forward. Is it true that there are certain things I do because of my past? Yeah but there's a lot more that I do because of my future. You know, I do things, and we gotta, we gotta focus on this, you guys. The world's gonna keep making you look at your past, your past, your past, and we gotta keep looking at the future. You look at your past, you're gonna get depressed, and you're gonna get stuck in your past. You look to your future and go, man, what is that moment gonna be like? See, my actions, a lot of the things I do is because I'm thinking about my future. And I'm thinking about that moment when I see Jesus because I realize that everything I do is gonna bring either reward or regret. Now, imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. 
And you're consumed with that, and you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about, th- what about all this stuff that's just, it's crazy to me, because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy, and I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth, and it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid, because it's going to affect all of this. Okay. Let's just stand up. So I don't want you, how I said, to feel guilty. But I want to give you the opportunity to repent this morning. And the things that I've been talking to you are no things that are foreign and imperfect. And you're the only one that has the issue. Now, I completely understand where you're at. But it's time to surrender all to him. He's coming soon, guys. And he's coming for a spotless and pure bride. And the Bible says we're going to be seated in, this, in front of the seat judgment seat of Christ so now is our time let's just make it right close your eyes right there and just repent say Father I'm sorry for living my life halfway for not loving you with all my passion but from now on Father God I made a commitment to obey you, to die to myself. To follow you, no matter the cost. Do with me what you want to do. Be Lord in my life. Say it with your own words. Shondra boya basito kia ya basandara boya basi. Shito kia ya basandara boya basi. Oh shondra boya basandara boya sito kia ya basi. surrender all all to Jesus I surrender all to Jesus 
not me, but you. Father, as we go home, let your words be like that fire inside of my brothers and sisters. Ignite that passion inside of us. Change our lives, Father God, forever. Give us kingdom mind, kingdom mentality, heart mentality, your heart, that we're not interested in seeking your hands only, but your heart, your face. Thank you, Father God. I bless my sisters, Father, my brothers, people watching us online. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. The Lord would have you to know that I have great plans for you on this earth in the time remaining, but it is up to you. I will expedite. I will Speed things up on my behalf and on your behalf, says the Lord, if you'll truly dedicate that time to me. I'll show you how to make up for lost time. I'll show you how to redo things that you tried to do and couldn't get there on your own. But yes, says the Lord, if you'll put me first, if you'll keep me first, I'll cause the latter part of your life to be better than the first ever was. I'll do things that you have no clue that you could ever do. But says the Lord, I love you and have a great plan. But you've got to put me first. I'll show you. I'll show you how. And I'll bring those things all into order, says the Lord. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious, special and important to Him.